I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 17. We will pick up this morning in verse 15 as we continue walking our way through the very first book of the Bible, a journey that we began at the beginning of the year, and that hopefully we will finish pretty close to the end of the year this year. I hope for you it's been an encouragement, it's been a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. What we know is regardless of what page in God's word we turn to, as long as his word is proclaimed, God is at work accomplishing in us what he desires to accomplish. And so every single week, if you're new to North River Church, this is exactly what we do. Open God's word together, work verse by verse through passages of scripture, typically through books of the Bible together. And so this morning, as we look at Genesis chapter 17, we're going to cover verses 15 through verse 27 this morning. I want to describe a scene that you probably have experienced in your own life at some point in time. It's a scene in the middle of the night where you hear some type of sound. Something comes crashing down. Something happens at your front door where someone's knocking And your spouse elbows you and says, you probably ought to get up and check on that. And you stumble out of bed, it's absolutely pitch black dark, and you are walking through the house, the house that you have been walking through for years. And somehow, a piece of furniture has moved in the middle of the night. In front of your path where you're walking, and somehow, with the greatest force you have ever managed to come up with, you kick that piece of furniture with your foot. You ever had that happen? I want you to know that there is some good news. You don't have to experience that anymore. Here's what I found out. There are slippers that they make that have a pressure sensor at the ball of your foot that when you slide your feet into the slippers and begin to walk in them, there is a flashlight at the front of the (laughs) slippers. Some of y'all are like, I came to church just for that this morning. The Lord has spoken. Here we go. But that light gives you just enough room to take that next step and see what's in front of you. Here's the problem. Oftentimes, in our lives, we find ourselves in that same spot. We find ourselves navigating through life in pitch black darkness. We think now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, well, that makes sense. But there are those of us who have walked with Jesus for a number of years who have found ourselves navigating through darkness and doubt and difficult circumstances in our lives as believers wondering how do we take that next step? 
How do we take that step of obedience in walking with Jesus when we don't know what's in front of us? How do we take the step in walking in obedience with the Lord when we just can't see? We just don't know how God is going to work through this situation. We don't know how he's going to shine a light in this darkness. We don't know how he's going to enable us to make it through. How do we walk forward? How do we take that next step? This morning, as we look in Genesis chapter 17, we're going to find Abraham in that precise situation. And we're going to see how he navigates through, not understanding, not being able to see because of the darkness of the circumstances and the situation in front of him. How do you move forward when you find yourself there? This is what God's word says, beginning in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. And then Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house are bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, if you're taking notes, which I'd encourage you to do, I want you to write down this main idea that'll frame our time together in these verses. It is a quote, an incredible 
quote. A quote that if you find yourself in a difficult season, a season of struggle, a season of doubt, a season of darkness in your life as a follower of Jesus this morning, cling to the truth in this quote by Corey Ten Boom. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. As we've been walking our way through the book of Genesis, we've seen the beginning of God's conversation with Abram early in the text. We saw that the Lord had made a promise to Abram. Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation through you. All the nations of the earth will be blessed as a result of you. Now we have the privilege of looking back, of seeing God's hand of work, of seeing God's faithfulness to do exactly what he said that he was going to do. We have the privilege of seeing that that promise would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our Savior, coming from the lineage of Abram. But never lose sight of the fact that Abram, up until this point in time, has not seen God fulfill his promise. He's not seen God come through. At this point, in a sense, Abram is still walking through darkness. Now, we saw last week as we covered the first part of chapter 17, the Lord once again reaffirmed his promise with Abraham. He changed his name from Abram, which is what it was in the beginning, to Abraham. Abram being exalted father, that's what his name means, to Abraham being the father of multitudes, the father of generations. That in that moment, the Lord making his covenant with Abraham says, Abraham, I am going to come through. Now remember that up until this point, Abraham at times has walked in faithfulness to the Lord, has trusted the promises of God, and then there are seasons where he doesn't. There are seasons where he's tried to take things into his own hands. There are seasons where he tried to make God's promises come about through his own strength and his own power. And we've seen at every turn the Lord say to him, Abraham, that's not it. Abraham, that's not what is going to happen. And we see once again in verse 15, the Lord speak to Abraham. On the back end of this covenant of circumcision that he had shared with him to walk in obedience before him, we see the Lord in verse 15 said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai. Remember, Abram's name was changed to Abraham, father of multitudes. Sarai's name will be Sarah. And I will bless her, verse 16, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations, kings of people shall come from her. This name change for Sarai in this moment to Sarai is very reminiscent of Abraham's name change as well. It's a reminder of God saying to his people, I am going to fulfill the promise I've made. And he says here to Abraham once again, Abraham, I am going to do it. Abraham, I'm going to send you a son through your wife, Sarah. Notice verse 17. 
Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. The Lord said, Abraham, I'm going to do this. And Abraham falls down laughing. You say, maybe it's laughter from joy. It's not. Because he said to himself, notice, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? The Lord says, Abraham, I'm going to fulfill this promise that I've made to you. I'm going to do it. And Abraham falls down laughing and saying, God, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a hundred and that doesn't work. And I want you to notice he continues on. At least he threw himself under the bus first, right? He says here, shall, shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I mean, it's almost like Abraham doesn't think that God knows or something. God, I'm going to be 100. She's going to be 90. That doesn't work. You may have found yourself in a place just like that. In a circumstance or a situation where it just doesn't seem like God could do what he's promised to do. Where it just doesn't seem like he can come through. And when you look throughout the scriptures and you see the promises of God directed towards his people, when you think about the promises of God directed towards those of us who are in Christ, and then you find yourself in a season of darkness, in a season of struggle where the circumstances in front of you just don't add up in your own mind, like Abraham, you may find yourself at a place saying, God, that just won't work. In fact, notice, he continues on. Abraham said to God in verse 18, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. I want you to remember who Ishmael is. Previously, when God had made a promise to Abraham that he would send him a child and it didn't happen, Abraham and Sarah had hatched a plan that they would take Sarah's slave and that they would have a child with her and that that would be the child of promise, the child that God evidently wasn't going to be able to give them. And so notice here that Abraham says, hey God, I've already done your work for you. Here's Ishmael, use him. Isn't it interesting that oftentimes in our lives that we think our plan B is better than God's plan A? And here Abraham says, what about Ishmael? God, here's your out. Here's how you can get out of this predicament that you're in. Here's how you can survive this assassination on your character because you've not provided what you said you were going to provide. Here's Ishmael. Use him. Verse 19. God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. 
when the Lord had spoken to Abraham and said to him, you're going to have a son by Sarah, Abraham fell on the ground laughing. The name Isaac means man of laughter. I love it because I think from this point forward, when God's promise is fulfilled, Abraham will have the joy of living, being reminded of when he doubted that God was going to come through. Now his son, for the rest of his life's name, is simply going to be a reminder for Abraham that God does come through. His name will be Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And the Lord says in verse 20, I've not forgotten about Ishmael. I've heard you and I'm going to bless him and make him fruitful, but it's not going to be through the covenant that I've made with you. In fact, that covenant will be the covenant with Isaac who is going to come. Verse 21, I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. It's interesting. Because I wonder in this moment what was rolling through Abraham's mind. The Lord has made a promise to him. The Lord has told him specifically, I'm going to give you a son this time next year. Sarah is going to bear a son. You're going to call him Isaac, and you're going to laugh till you die. You know, I wonder if Abraham kind of sat back for a bit and thought, hmm, maybe I'll just sit back and wait and see if God will do it. I'll just wait for a year. I'm not going to expect him to do it. I'm just going to sit back, just wait. I want you to notice that's not what happens. In fact, look at verse 22. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. God leaves. Verse 23. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men, of Abraham's house, and he circumcised them as God had said to him. I want you to notice that. As the Lord shares with Abraham, this is what I'm going to do, Abraham falls down laughing. And then he tries to come up with plan B. How about Ishmael? And the Lord says, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fulfill this promise And then we see something absolutely incredible by Abraham in this moment. When he has every reason to doubt, every reason to question, every reason in the darkness of not understanding how God would come through. And yet, Abraham does exactly what God had told him to do. He takes the next step of obedience even when he didn't understand how it was going to work. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this first truth that as we consider Abraham's response here to the Lord, the step of obedience that he took, 
want you to consider this first truth. When we find ourselves in a season of darkness and doubt, we can move forward with confidence in our God. You may have come in today and for you, you are navigating through a season of darkness, a season of doubt in your life. In fact, you may be here this morning and you have never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are in church today because your life is crashing all around you. You are in darkness. You are wondering, is there anything dependable in this world? I want you to hear me this morning. There is one who is dependable. There is one who, regardless of the circumstances that you are navigating through, regardless of the darkness around you in this moment, you can fix your eyes on him. He does not change. Let's just do a little bit of exercise this morning together. I want you to close your eyes for me. Promise nothing crazy is going to happen, okay? Just close your eyes. And I want you with your finger hand to point in the direction of north. Don't open your eyes. Point in the direction of north. Everybody's got to participate. There we go. All right, now open your eyes and look around you. We're all messed up, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know where the north is. I'm not Lewis and Clark. I'm not going anywhere, right? So just to let you know, north is that way, okay? Just, just so you'll know, if you were wrong, it's okay. Sometimes you get in buildings, things get turned around, right? Don't really know where to go. But one of the things that you find out is if you are navigating somewhere that people will tell you that you need to take a compass with you because the compass will always point you in the direction of north. You can always find where that fixed point is regardless of where you are. I want you to hear me this morning. The same thing holds true with our God. He does not move. He does not change. Regardless of the circumstances or the difficulty or the darkness that we may be walking through, God has not changed. God's promises and God's character are not contingent on our current circumstances. I want you to hear that again. God's character and God's promises are not contingent on your current circumstances. So if you've come in this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know this morning that true north is Jesus Christ for you. And you have the opportunity this morning to anchor your life to His for the greatest exchange that's ever taken place in all the world to receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to your account and for him to take your sin, which he's paid for on the cross. That you have the opportunity this morning to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and regardless of what may come, regardless of the darkness you may walk through the rest of your life, you have certainty that your God never changes. You may be a follower of Jesus here this morning 
and you're walking through struggle, you're walking through difficulty right now, you are trying to figure out. You're asking some of the questions that Abraham was asking. I just don't know if God can do it. I encourage you this morning that you can have confidence in your God. He does not change. He does not move. His promises are fulfilled for you in Jesus Christ, His Son. There is no doubt about it. You say, Pastor, it seems like the waves of life are crushing me right now. I want you to look at your Savior. Fix your eyes on Him. What we see from Abraham in this moment, even when he could not understand what God was doing, even when he could not figure it out in his own mind, he still, think about this, took the step of obedience that God had called him to take. Believing in his God to come through. Not only that, if you can write down the second truth, when we find ourselves in a season of darkness and doubt, we can move forward with purpose in our mission. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you have a purpose, you have a mission that God has called you to fulfill, and that is to make his name and fame great in all the world. That in your sphere of influence, in your circle of opportunities that you would be able to share with people that you encounter who Jesus is and how he's transformed your life. That's your mission. That's my mission. And you go places that I'm not able to go to. And you're able to share that with people who desperately need to know that there is hope in this world. Now hear me. Some of the greatest doors of opportunity that you and I will navigate through is when we're going through difficulty. Too many times we navigate through struggles and difficulties in our lives as believers and we wave our hand, we're like, God, get me out of this. And God says, no, I want to get you through this and I want to use you through this. You know, it's interesting that there are people that you will meet in the difficult seasons of your lives that oftentimes you would not meet except for that difficulty, except for that struggle, except for that season of doubt, except for that darkness in the moment. If you don't navigate through that, you would never meet that person who desperately needs to know who Jesus Christ is. I've heard this countless times from our people through the years as they've gotten cancer diagnosis and have walked through chemotherapy treatments and people there are a captive audience navigating through that. And you have an opportunity to share Christ with them and they can't go anywhere. And the same thing holds true. There are doors of opportunity that would never be open to you except that you've experienced a difficult season in your life as a believer, infertility as a couple, problems in your marriage. There are seasons that we walk through in our lives that had we not walked through them, 
We'd not have an open door to share Christ with someone who is walking through that right now. I want you to notice this. That Abraham in this moment, not only does he step forward and walk in obedience to the Lord personally himself and go through the act of circumcision, but he also takes his entire household through that. All of the males go through that. You say, Pastor, I thought last week was the circumcision sermon, right? But what we see is that this is the covenant symbol for God with his people here. We know that fast forward to the New Testament, that it is circumcision of the heart that we see through salvation. We know that. And yet in this moment, think about this, as Abraham sits down with the men of his household and says to them, this is what we're about to do. And they're probably going, not me. And then think about this. He explains to them why they're doing it because his God has called them to take this step of obedience and imagine them sitting back and going, but he hasn't given you a son. He hasn't done what he said he would do. And Abraham in this moment has the ability before his entire household to say to them, I believe, even though I don't understand it, even though I can't see it, that our God is going to come through. You and I have that same opportunity set before us to be a testimony of the faithfulness of God to come through even when we can't see it. If you're not doing this currently, personally, in your life as a believer, I want to encourage you to start doing it. When you navigate through those seasons of difficulty and struggle and come out on the other end of it and can trace the faithful hand of God at work in that situation and in that circumstance, would you write that down? Because the next time that you or someone close to you is walking through a season like that, that is a testimony of the faithfulness of God to come through. And oftentimes we need to be reminded of that in our lives personally. I want you to notice the third truth that we see in Abraham's response here. When we find ourselves in a season of darkness and doubt, we can move forward with hope in our future. I want you to notice that this act of obedience right here for Abraham was a belief in what God was going to do in the future. Even though he couldn't see it, even though he couldn't understand it, even though he laughed when God first told him, Abraham still has the opportunity to believe, to trust that God would do what he said he would do. One of my favorite memories of my grandfather went over to his house one day and he always had a lazy boy recliner that he sat in and without fail, he watched two shows and the Braves, the two shows, Jeopardy and Will of Fortune. Those are the two shows that he watched, but here's what was absolutely crazy. I'm Go to his house one day, I was probably 13 or so, I sit down beside him in the other recliner and he's watching Jeopardy. And church, he answered every question. 
And like the first couple, I'm like, well, that's cool. By the 10th response, I'm like, what's going on? And by the end of it, I just thought he's brilliant. Like he just knows everything. He never shared until about three years later when I was 16. He said, hey, let me tell you something. I said, okay. He said, do you remember that time I answered all the Jeopardy questions? I said, yeah. He said, what you don't know is that there's two different TV stations and they flop which one's playing first in each of the stations. So he had watched the entire thing at 6 p.m. And I got there at 6.30, changed channels, and watched it again and answered all the questions. <laughs> he knew what it was going to be. You and I, as followers of Jesus, know who holds the future in his hands. Regardless of what we are navigating, regardless of the struggles that we are experiencing in this moment, and even when we can't see for ourselves what that next step looks like, we have hope because our God holds the future in the palm of his hand. All of history is moving in one direction, and that is to the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what may come, regardless of what difficulty you may experience, regardless of the struggle that you may walk through, regardless of the darkness where you can't see what's coming, you can trust, you have hope because you know the one who holds the future in his hands. This morning, you have the opportunity, regardless of what you're navigating through in life, to respond as Abraham did, even if you don't understand it, to have confidence in your God, to have purpose in your mission, to have hope in your future. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? as our worship team makes their way back up. You may be here today and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you say, Pastor, I came today because my life is a disaster. And I want to call your focus and your attention today on Jesus Christ. The Son of God who came to this earth lived a sinless, perfect life, who took your sin upon himself on the cross and paid the debt that you owed and invites you today to place your faith and trust in him for your salvation. It doesn't mean the darkness goes away. It doesn't mean that the difficulty goes away. What it means is that you have an anchor for your soul from this day forward. That's the step that you need to take. I'd encourage you as we have an opportunity to stand and sing in just a bit, to come and grab one of our pastor's hand and just say, I need to take that step of trusting Jesus as my Savior. If you have questions, you can fill out a connection card and drop that off at the welcome table. We'd love to follow up with you. 
Maybe you're already a believer here this morning and you are navigating through a season of darkness, of doubt, of struggle, of difficulty. And this morning you need to experience the loving arms of God wrapped around you. I want to encourage you as we stand and sing in just a bit. You'd like to make your way down to the front and just spend some time in prayer before the Lord. Crying out to him, even though you don't understand, that you trust him. Father, we ask that you would work in these few moments that we have left together as you have been over this service. God, that through your word, you would encourage and equip and challenge and convict us. We ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? You sing, you respond. Our altar's open. Our pastors are down front.